David Flinders, this is Take Back Your Country. Opinion polling is an art which purports to be a science. And it can so often be wrong, it can be right too sometimes. My first experience was during the Republic referendum when we were told, we who were campaigning in the no case, were told that a republic was inevitable. And not only were the opinion polls against us, but so was almost all of the media, most of the politicians and big business. Yet we campaigned and we ended up in a rather vigorous campaign we ended up winning nationally. We won in every state and in a referendum to pass, you have to win in four states. And we also won in 72% of electorates. So it was clearly a landslide. More recently in, uh, in Europe, the opinion polls were telling us the Brexit referendum would be lost and yet it was won. And then we were told that President Trump would not win in 2016, yet he certainly won in the Electoral College. The latest example of the opinion polls being wrong was in the 2019 election. On that, I did some research beforehand because I really had suspicions about the opinion polls. And I looked at a number of electorates and I looked at factors which I believed would cause a significant number of Labour voters to switch their votes. And I went through those causes and listed them in a couple of pieces for Spectator, which from the point of view of the government certainly was good for the Liberal Party and not so good for the Labour Party. There was another factor there, and that was the enormous amount of advertising by Clive Palmer, which was mainly directed against the Labour Party. But the interesting thing was the polls are wrong, and the weaknesses in the polls in Australia in 2019 flowed from how they would treat the small parties. They still have not yet worked out how they can adequately treat the smaller parties, particularly the smaller, apparently conservative parties, which draw their, their voters from both traditional coalition voters, but also some traditional Labour voters, as I think we saw in 2019. And the pollsters do not know how to allocate their preferences. Well, what we're seeing, what we're seeing today is a polling indicating, again, a likely Labour return. I'm not so sure about that. Firstly, I think it's far too far out for people to have significantly made their minds up. And I'm not so sure that people are going to switch from the coalition to Labour. And I think there are other possibilities which have hitherto been discounted. 
We are seeing an increasing number of people voting for the smaller conservative parties, what some people call the freedom parties. And that's come out very much during the, the COVID crisis when they have stood out more strongly in relation to the freedom of Australians. And that's the United Australia Party, and that's also One Nation. And they seem to have taken a very similar position. Also, to an extent, the Liberal Democrats. Well, we're not sure of the extent to which people will vote this way. In the latest uh, a poll that uh, the Australian uses, they have indicated now that they are allocating specifically places for the UAP. And they've got them at 4% nationally, and they've got one nation at 3%. I think these are lower than they really are. But I think the opinion polls are having some difficulty with these, and people have not yet come to their conclusions how they're going to vote. The election hasn't been called yet. The interesting thing, I think, is that in relation to the administration of COVID, the way in which we should answer to COVID, Labour and Liberals were very similar. They both took the view, for example, that there should be mandatory vaccination. They both took the view that early treatment was not acceptable, although there are plenty of there's plenty of evidence overseas in those countries that allow early treatment, that this can be very effective, particularly in relation to the vulnerable. One thing which the politicians of both parties claim is that our lower death rate, lower than many other countries, but not lower than all of them, is the result of their activities. Not so. The reason why we have done better than other countries is we are a remote island nation. If you're a remote island nation and you do the sensible thing, that is make it difficult for the virus to get into Australia, it obviously slows down the impact of the virus. Something you can't do if you have a land frontier and that frontier is relatively open as so many of them are. But in relation to the handling of the virus, both parties came to the same conclusion, particularly mandatory vaccinations. They put everything into vaccinations. They didn't emphasize what I would have thought common sense would have told you to emphasize. That is, concentrate on the vulnerable. And this was a virus where we know who the vulnerable are. It wasn't like the virus of my youth, that is polio, which attacked particularly the young and healthy. This virus attacked the elderly and those who were seriously ill for other reasons. So we knew who the vulnerable were and what politicians should have done was acted to protect the vulnerable and use vaccination, particularly to those of the vulnerable who wished to be vaccinated. That would have been the best way to handle the matter. The state which had the highest lockdowns had the highest deaths among the vulnerable. That is Victoria, which shows the complete failure of the lockdown policy. 
the idea that you lock down whole states, close down business, wreck people's small businesses, protect yourselves as politicians and bureaucrats by getting the same amount of money, but turn all of the burden onto small business in particular. And that hasn't worked very well in the worst state for demonstrating that as the state which had the longest lockdowns. The other thing which both sides did was to completely outlaw or discourage early treatment by ivermectin and so on. Other countries and a whole string of scientists, including two Nobel laureates, argue that there's an advantage in early treatment. The reason that early treatment was outlawed was because big pharmacy wanted their vaccines approved and approved early. And the only way those vaccines could be approved and approved early was by satisfying the American authorities that there was no early treatment possible. Had it been admitted that there was real early treatment, and there was, if that, if that had been admitted by the regulatory authorities, they would not have got the approval for those vaccines. And without American approval, it's unlikely that most of them would have been available in the world. The point is, both parties went the same way, whereas uh, One Nation and the UAP went another way and were much freer and more open, and I suspect will be demonstrated to have adopted the right approach in due course, particularly if there is a, a royal commission into how this was handled, a proper royal commission with a judge who's wise enough to know how to deal with this, and I'm sure would in on reflection it will be found that we mishandled the crisis in Australia and it was mishandled by a consensus between the Labour Party on the one hand and the Coalition on the other. But yet again, the Coalition and Labour have come together. They've both decided that we must swallow the discredited theory about global warming and the argument that the only solution is the Paris solution. There are those who say, well, there is global warming, it is having some effect, but the solution is not the Paris solution. John Lombard, for example, is a uh, leading example of this. His work is often published in the Australian. He's from the, the Copenhagen consensus, and he argues, yes, there is global warming, but the solution is through research and development of new solutions, not what he says is absolutely impossible, net zero emissions. But the Labour Party and the Coalition argue for net zero emissions. And the fact is that these are benefiting, particularly the Chinese communists, who are laughing all the way to the bank, who are producing the solar panels, who are producing the wind farms, but who are saying, we will later on ourselves have net zero emissions, but that will be as truthful as their promise to President Obama that they wouldn't annex and militarize the South China Sea. As soon as they said that to President Obama, they realized, of course, that he wasn't going to do anything about it if they break it. So Xi Jinping 
soon after, as soon as it was convenient, broke that promise. And the Chinese communists are going to break their promise too in relation to net zero emissions. They're getting all the coal-fired power stations that they can using our coal. And even if it were true that all of this business that we're going through of having all of our electricity bills put up, and they will be put up again with the next round of getting rid of coal-fired power stations. All of this will have no effect whatsoever on the weather. And even if it could have an effect, it won't have an effect because China and also India have decided that they will not go ahead in reducing their emissions. They're demonstrating this by the amount of coal-fired power stations. Our governments are still going to put us into this. They're allowing the early closure of coal-fired power stations. There are, in both parties, Marxists, far-left-wingers. They used to be only in the Labour Party. They're now also in the Liberal Party. They're also involved in the closing down of coal-fired power stations and ensuring that we will have much more expensive electricity which will be highly unreliable and will never attract any manufacturing industry of any significance back to Australia. So what's the solution? The solution, I would say, is for Australians to seriously consider how they are voting in the coming election. And I would recommend, because of his policy in relation to China, which is tougher, that people should give their second last preference to the coalition and their last preference to Labour, but that's a matter for you. I would say, think very carefully about your votes. Don't feel bound to follow the two-party system because the two-party system has come together. It's really now one party. Consider seriously your vote and consider seriously whether you should be voting for one of the smaller conservative parties. I had the benefit of uh, conducting an interview, series of interviews, with Craig Kelly, and I must say he's particularly impressive, as is his program. I've also had the benefit of being interviewed by uh, Senator Roberts from One Nation. He, too, is a very significant politician. These politicians are politicians whose interest is the national interest. It's not self-interest. So in, again, saying to you, as I conclude, take back your country, may I suggest you very carefully consider your vote in the coming election. Thank you.